Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Okay, a lot of people have a wandering eye, and that problem isn't going to go anywhere, and many others prefer non-monogamous relationships to begin with. How can we ever solve this problem? Well, it's Ashley Madison to save the day, and also your marriage, allegedly. But is it possible for a company founded on secrecy and infidelity to stay loyal to its own customers? Are there really enough horny married women to match with all the horny married men? Is anything on the internet truly secure or even real in the first place? Let's find out in today's discussion about broken marriages, failed dreams, and a horde of robot angels programmed to smother men in affection. Welcome to the corporate casket where bad businesses go to die. Here we discuss anything from bad bosses to cheating CEOs, corporate misconduct to business disasters. I'm Blair, and today we're gonna be delving into the gleefully sordid story of Ashley Madison, the internet dating site for married people, and the disastrous 2015 hack that nearly destroyed their business and revealed just how committed they were to their values of cheating and concealment. Relationships outside of my marriage has given me this newfound excitement in my life. I cheated on my husband to find companionship, to feel happy and alive again. The sex is the best I've In 2002, had. a man named Darren Morgenstern had a dream about making it easy for people to cheat on their spouses. And he made that dream a reality. He named his new online dating service for partnered people, Ashley Madison, a name created by choosing two of the most popular names for female babies in North America. If the site had been made today for the record, it may have been called something like Emma Olivia, but back then Ashley Madison were two of the most popular. A few years later, a Canadian company called Avid Media purchased Ashley Madison and set about giving it the old razzle-dazzle and gave it new leadership of a former attorney and sports agent, as well as self-proclaimed most hated man on the internet, Noel Biederman. From there, it was off to the races. Ashley Madison was a tremendous success with its infamous and honestly kind of nonsensical tagline, life is short, have an affair. It wasn't all wine and roses, of course. As Chief Strategy Officer Paul Keeble reminisced with VentureBeat in 2019, Ashley Madison struggled and still struggles to this day to find acceptance in traditional advertising venues such as Twitter, Facebook, and Google. Many companies are understandably leery of associating themselves with a company explicitly dedicated to marital infidelity, which amounts to illicit hookups and affairs. There are also Ashley Madison's ties to RubyCorp, previously known as Avid Media, and the name change in 2016 was for obvious reasons. Anyway, they had ties through Avid Media to Avid's other sites, which included Cougar Life, where older women can approach young men for romance and sex, and Established Gentlemen, a sugar daddy website for attractive women to offer to be eye and arm candy in return for financial consideration. There was even Arrangement Finders, an escort finding service that was close enough to literally pushing sex for money that even Avid Media distanced themselves from it, particularly once the kerfuffle really started. Arrangement Finders was so blatant that their billboards had a picture of porn star Brie Olson putting on makeup and read, quote, hey students need a summer job, date a sugar daddy. And another stated, quote, because the best job is a blowjob. Don't get me wrong, sex work is work and should be guaranteed payment and have protections just like any other job. 
but it's also currently illegal in most places in the United States and Canada. And avid media like to ride on that line in a pretty skeevy way, pretending they weren't doing anything that they were patently doing. If they really wanted to help sex workers, they'd push for legalization and regulations to protect employees instead of winking at the illegality while encouraging the young and vulnerable into said career. At any rate, given all that, Ashley Madison often resorted to unusual tactics in the pursuit of advertising pool, what those in the business world would normally dismiss as stunts or gimmicks. These included efforts in 2010 to have New York City name a stadium for Ashley Madison, and it was eventually named for MetLife, FYI. And later the same year, an attempt to convince officials in Phoenix, Arizona to rename the Sky Harbor International Airport as the Ashley Madison Airport. And surprise, surprise, they didn't bite there either. As you'll have guessed by now, this is pretty typical for the company. These tactics also frequently included some deceptive moves. For example, in 2011, a site called My Marriage Matters started placing advertisements around the internet with apparent screeds against Ashley Madison for wrecking marriages with affairs, only for a digital sleuth to find the email address used for placing those ads belonging to an avid life company. Similarly, the top search results for Ashley Madison scam or Ashley Madison fake used to frequently lead to single serving sites, which were full of posted complaints alleging fraud that were covered in comments from anonymous users denying them and claiming a wonderful experience, as well as sidebar and banner ads for, you guessed it, Ashley Madison. At least one of these sites, ashleymadisonscams.com is now defunct, but it was registered to a company called Avid Dating Life. Nothing like catching them come in and going, huh? Classy. But what is Ashley Madison? Like, what do they do? What's it like to use the site for these poor souls in 2014 and you know those who have no idea what's coming? Well, that depends. If you're a woman, and let's not get into Ashley Madison's take on gender and sexuality because, oh boy, <laughs> it's rough. You can sign up for free, post some pictures and a little about yourself, and then ping any men that catch your eye. If you're a man, you can sign up for a free guest account and be amazed at how many ladies are immediately interested in getting the D from you. But if you want to respond to any of these interesting pings from all these beautiful women, so lonely, so horny, just itching to get some action, then you'll have to buy a paid account and purchase some credits. Eight credits lets you initiate a chat with a woman, at which point the two of you can carry on your discussion without further interruption. If you're extremely desperate, or if you sleep on a mattress stuffed with hundreds of dollar bills, you can buy a premium account for about $250 to $290, which, quote, guarantees a successful affair or your money back. This also gives you 18 premium messages a month and 60 minutes per month of free text chat. This was not previously much in the way of voice or video integration on the site because obviously part of the point was to keep everything on the down low. Even today, it's still just an idea that gets floated internally occasionally. If you and your potential paramour decide to exchange phone numbers or Zoom screen names, that's on y'all. Even high-ranking Ashley Madison employees once readily admitted that the numbers on the site are pretty skewed towards straight males with estimates in the mid-2010s to be eight or nine out of every 10 users being male. This would turn out to be, let's just say, a rosy estimate at best. Per Brian Keeble in the VentureBeat interview, they were able to note some potentially sociologically interesting numbers. Keeble said that new signups are most common on Mondays out of all days of the week and most common in January of all months of the year. He attributed this to a reaction in part of harried husbands who are enforced into family time either over the weekends or throughout the holiday season in November and December. And this would certainly track with the common wisdom that if there are cracks in a relationship, the stress of the holidays can be a wedge that splits them open. 
He also noted that the women who do use the site are mostly there for a physical relationship and little else, but many of their males tended to be interested in conversation or friendships in addition to, or even instead of a physical outlet, which is a bit of an inverse in the commonplace tropes. Anyway, let's say you've tried it, you don't like it, and you don't want your Ashley Madison account any longer. Perhaps your spouse found it and is watching you over your shoulders, you try to delete it. Perhaps you never signed up in the first place, sure King, but it would theoretically be possible. In the 2010s, Ashley Madison did not have a verification process. So as long as you put a valid email address in the account, it would be created and active. Unfortunately for our guests, there's only one option to hide your account from other Ashley Madison users. If you want to delete it, you have to pay a fee, typically about $19. It's definitely a normal business strategy to have the same profit strategy as revenge porn or mugshot websites, right? Like this, that must be fine, right? Complaints about fake accounts, automatic spam messages, and bad user experiences have been a constant trouble. On January 11, 2012, for example, Kamala Harris, yes, that Kamala Harris, in her capacity as then attorney general for the state of California, filed a public inquiry with a threat of legal action against Ashley Madison on behalf of an unnamed Southern California man who alleged he had been the victim of fraud because he had paid for chat messages and found that all potential partners were fake profiles. And they were at best a chatbot behind them and sometimes nothing at all beyond the initial message indicating interest. Avid Life Media's general counsel, Mike Dax, responded publicly blaming criminal elements who were using the website nefariously and without the awareness of the company. In the public statement, Dax advised that members should report or flag suspicious profiles and in reply to the California attorney general specifically, Dax claimed the company would give a refund to the plaintiff for interactions with any such flagged accounts. The California public inquiry apparently ended there as they made no comment to Gizmodo when the venue reached out about the incident in 2015. In another ominous bit of foreshadowing, later in 2012, a Brazilian woman named Doriana Silva sued Ashley Madison, alleging she had been forced to generate thousands of fake female accounts to chat up men, and then get them to pony up the dough for a premium message, so many that she had gotten a repetitive stress injury, which is the basis of the lawsuit. The lawsuit failed, but the rumblings of concern were only getting louder. Remember these incidents because they will come up again later. After we talk about the hack. A website that encourages people to cheat on their partners is reeling from a huge data breach. AshleyMadison.com. Now, this is where most people probably first heard about Ashley Madison unless they lived near one of those very tasteful billboards. On July 15th, 2015, a hacker group calling themselves the Impact Team announced that they had acquired a large amount of customer and corporate data from Ashley Madison. Ostensibly irate at Ashley Madison's questionable business practices, the fake accounts and the extortionist pay to delete maneuvers and claiming that they had proof that Ashley Madison was lying about many aspects of their business. The impact group demanded that the company shut down or the data would be released. However, they were more than a little censorious about the site's users as well, saying that those would suffer actual consequences of the release of quote, too bad for all those men, they're cheating dirtbags and deserve no such discretion. Too bad for ALM, you promised secrecy, but didn't deliver. Ashley Madison, unsurprisingly, did not stop being a company at the word of some weirdos on the internet. On July 22nd, the Impact Group dumped their first load of customer data on the dark web, accessible via Tor. And it set off what experts in fecal metrology refer to as a poop tornado. That's a quote. Reports of abruptly destroyed marriages were everywhere. Rumors of suicides and crimes of passion abounded although many of these were later found to be exaggerated or unrelated. 
The financial data shown was incomplete, mostly showing the last four digits of credit cards, but enough was present that anyone in the data dump was at risk of being the victim of financial crimes. Websites popped up where you could search to see if your spouse was on the list or if you were. In New Orleans, a pastor named John Gibbons with a history of substance abuse and depression did in fact commit suicide as a result of being exposed. Nobody backed down. Ashley Madison released a statement saying, quote, this event is not an act of hacktivism. It is an act of criminality. It is an illegal action against the individual members of ashleymadison.com as well as any free thinking people who choose to engage in fully lawful online activities. The criminal or criminals involved in this act have appointed themselves as a moral judge, juror, and executioner, seeing fit to impose a personal notion of virtue on all society. We will not sit idly by and allow these thieves to force their personal ideology on citizens around the world. On August 18th, the impact group dropped the rest of their data over 9.7 gigabytes, including customer names, emails and physical addresses, hashed passwords, phone numbers, and transaction data back to 2008 as well as a large number of internal company emails that would prove truly troublesome. One bright side, Ashley Madison is one of the few large companies that have been victims of similar hacks who have bothered to actually encrypt their user passwords. So even the data dump did not just give everyone plain text password information. It wasn't enough clearly, but we do need to give credit where it's due. Now, the data dumped was only the data users provided. A lot of phone numbers and email addresses were fakes or throwaways because if you're deliberately setting out to cheat on your spouse and you're not completely inept, you'll probably take at least some steps to distance yourself. However, as the data also included times and dates of credit card transactions and chats with full or partial transcripts, it's pretty easy to confirm if you had any suspicions about a partner. Interestingly enough, over 15,000 of the emails listed were either .mil or .gov accounts, which I suppose says something about the quality of thinking that was going into this whole project. The government predictably was not amused and no, not about the cheating military spouses because of a big company being this negligent with sensitive customer data. The FTC initiated an investigative probe into Avid Media's security practices and those old allegations of fraudulent behavior. You see, the data dump included a lot of accounts in which the email field was listed as paid underscore delete. Remember that whole pay us to have your account deleted gig? Well, it turns out it was pay us and we'll pretend to delete your account, but actually just hide you from it too. And the data was all just sitting there, vulnerable to people like the impact group. The data also provided ample confirmation of the presence of automatic chatbots used to boost apparent engagement and activity on the site and encourage users to pay up to initiate chats. Noel Biederman was forced to resign from Avid Media in professional and private disgrace. Not only did he have dozens of incriminating emails about the not deleted, deleted accounts and the fembots and the dump included emails he exchanged with his regular mistress. And she was someone who was an escort he'd paid for services for the previous three years at least and with whom he communicated on his personal company email. At one point, he even offered her a job at Avid and she declined. Earlier in 2015, Biederman had been teasing a potential IPO or initial public offering, putting Avid Media and Ashley Madison on the stock market. That obviously was off the table afterwards. And as of 2021, they have not seriously revisited the idea. The rest of the arc follows a typically corporate narrative. High ranking officers are fired or resign in disgrace. The company rebrands itself and the public immediately loses interest and forgets anything ever happened. In this case, Avid Media renamed itself to RubyCorp, changed its tagline to life is short, have an affair to find your moment, and then replaced the Ashley Madison woman's hand with the wedding ring logo with just a ring and a red stone. 
Ruby Gore immediately set out to pretend that they were not at all in the business of monetizing marital infidelity and began talking up all their new security hires. In 2016, they were fined $1.66 million by the FTC for negligent security procedures. The FTC declined to comment on the fake female robot accounts issue at the time, though Canadian and Australian government agencies did initiate a joint investigation into that issue. A class action lawsuit was initiated on behalf of all those affected by the hack. The initial ask was for $576 million. Later in 2016, it was settled for $17.5 million. And RubyCore immediately announced they could not possibly pay that and the courts deferred payment until 2021 when it was actually finally settled for $11.2 million, allegedly about one fourth of the company's value at the time. And that works out to about $3,500 per plaintiff if they were lucky enough to stay in the running and could provide documented proof of harm that came to them from the hacked data. It's kind of funny looking at those numbers now because the proposed IPO that they had to go public valued the company at up to a billion dollars at that time in 2015. No members of the impact group were ever named or prosecuted and speculation continues to this day about who exactly was involved. Some contemporary commenters felt the same level of access to internal emails and proprietary software records indicated that one of the hackers or their accomplices had to have physical access to the company's computer systems. And in 2017, the new CEO, Rob Siegel, also resigned and Ashley Madison ditched all efforts to pretend they weren't about extramarital sex. They revived their Life is Short, Have an Affair logo as per Brian Keeble. As of 2019, they had doubled their user base to nearly 60 million cumulative accounts created and had even continued growing throughout after the 2015 debacle. And that's because apparently a large number of people heard about an adultery website getting hacked and thought, now that's what I need to get into. Go figure. And so it seems all was well again in the world of people trying to sneak around and cheat on their spouses. But we forgot about one important little detail, the robots. And we'll talk about those right after the sponsor break. The holiday season is the time for shopping and great deals and even gift yourself something too. And if you're looking for a new wireless plan, it's also the season for switching phone carriers. That's because Mint Mobile is offering an amazing deal right now. Because for a limited time, when you buy any three month wireless plan, you'll get an extra three months for free, which is wild considering that they offer premium service with unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data for just 15 bucks a month. I think at this point I've been using Mint Mobile for over a year now, and I have had absolutely zero problems whatsoever. It is actually incredible to have a wireless carrier where I don't have issues of dropped calls, messages not going through, not being able to connect to internet, and also not having any billing issues. It's actually fucking incredible. So for a limited time, buy any three month Mint Mobile plan and get three more months for free by going to mintmobile.com MLM. That's mintmobile.com MLM. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com MLM. Long ago in the very stylish, very glam 1970s, Adam and Eve was born. And no, I'm not talking about the biblical Adam and Eve. I mean the upscale adult boutique Adam and Eve. They've got lingerie, games, movies, toys, and more. Plus Adam and Eve offers 24 seven customer service and 90 day no hassle returns. So if anything goes wrong with your order for any reason, just let them know and they will get it taken care of. Plus Adam and Eve are out here doing a world of good. 20% of their profits go to fighting the spread of HIV around the world. We've all heard about supply chain issues and delivery issues every day on the news. 
So don't wait on your Adam and Eve order. Shop now, shop early while supplies last. All you have to do is go to adamandeve.com and use code CASKET to get 50% off one item and free shipping in the US and Canada. Some exclusions may apply. Again, that is adamandeve.com. Use code CASKET to get up to 50% off one item and free shipping in the US and Canada with some exclusions and restrictions. The robots. The robots were a problem and we need to talk about that. While there had been those rumors and complaints about spam and fake accounts previously, Ashley Madison had always disclaimed them. About the most they'd admit to were some waffle words about some profiles may contain exaggerated information or were the entertainment purposes only and had always staunchly denied having any hand in their operation. The hack data told a very different story. While Keeble would claim in 2019 that the bot accounts were a legacy from the days of Morgan Stern and that they'd never quite cleared them out, the emails from 2008 to 2015 that were released in the hack showed repeated conversations about the robot accounts between Biederman and various employees. And that included company lawyers such as Leslie Weiss and software engineers responsible for programming the chatbots. They called them engagers or hosts, inhabiting fake accounts that they called angels, mostly cobbled together from leftover bits of actual fraud accounts that were reported and deactivated. If you were a woman on Ashley Madison before 2010, it was entirely possible that your pictures were flirting with strangers by 2014. Pictures were also sourced from stock photos or models. In the emails, Biederman demonstrated full awareness of the Engager programs and discussed ways to improve them, such as making sure they didn't all pop on at the same time or use the same account for their messages and ways to duck or dodge legal responsibility if they were discovered. Weiss advised in one message calling them market research and pretending they were there to test new mail accounts. Other emails discuss the quote, fraud to engager tool, presumably software used to chop up deactivated accounts and make them into shells for chatbots to animate. Annalie Newitz, an investigative journalist at Gizmodo, ran extensive analyses on the hacked data dumps in 2015 to try and find out just how bad the fembot program was. While her initial estimate of less than 12,000 real women in the entire 5.5 million female active users were marred by mistaken or incomplete data, she eventually narrowed it down. Newitz noted that it was difficult as one of the normal methods to determine if an account was real is whether it ever paid for anything. But due to the way Ashley Madison functions, only men ever have their credit cards charged. She did find over 10,000 accounts with emails like 100 at ashleymadison.com or 200 at ashleymadison.com of which over 90% were female accounts. She then checked IP addresses and found that over 80,000 accounts whose IP addresses were listed as 127.0.0.1, i.e. home, they were created and accessed from Ashley Madison's own computer network. Of those, 67,000 were female. Newitz consulted the user data for discrepancies, but that was a bust given about how the people on the site were lying about something. For example, almost two thirds of users blatantly listed a birthday in January, a statistical improbability that indicates people were just selecting the first option on a dropdown list. After the first article, some readers contacted Newitz with advice and guidance on the type of software being used. And upon searching for accounts with IS host equals one, Newitz was able to more confidently identify at least 70,000 female chatbots. Oh, and we can't forget about the male chatbots. Um, That was 43, just 43. 
Those bot accounts utilized those aforementioned at ashleymadison.com emails or apparent throwaway emails, some of which showed up on hundreds of accounts, including those oddly named passthecake at hotmail.com. The is this really my job energy of Kim makes profiles at hotmail.com and the admirable enthusiasm of digital Romeo at hotmail.com. Interestingly, some of the account names specifically identified in that Californian complaint from 2012, the one the current vice president had to deal with, were still active as bots as of 2015. And that included usernames such as Hookie Pookie, Toaster Strudel, Sun Stars Moon, and Burn on the Grill. If you'll recall, at the time, Ashley Madison claimed they had no idea who made these nefarious fake accounts and promised they'd be flagged for removal. Waste not, want not, I suppose. Newitz's analysis found files that provided lists of responses for the engagers to use, with some entities duplicated, presumably to make them more likely to be picked by the random algorithm. You were thus more likely to be approached with a hey there or a simple hi than a somewhat aggressive, so how long have you been on? She also uncovered a lot of information about the way the bots were programmed to behave, such as spiking contact requests, i.e. getting the men to pay, on or around January 13th or Mistress Day, the day before Valentine's Day which I didn't even know that was a thing. Like, wow, I'm learning a lot. I'm becoming more and more paranoid about relationships as we are going through this, honestly. A male guest who logged in for the first time would immediately be met with a procedurally generated selection of angels, all greeting him enthusiastically and promising untold delights if he approached them. Generally, once someone paid to initiate a chat, the bots would stop responding fairly quickly and leave you to try to find another interested party. Once they had your money, no one was interested in stringing you along for laughs, right? Business ethics, baby, that's what this company's full of. If you had a premium account, the ones that guaranteed a successful affair, then you were subjected to a barrage of automatic fembot love. But if you engaged with one of them, they wouldn't go silent and instead run a script called run chatbot XMPP guarantee. And that would activate to pass the account to the control of an affiliate, which as near as anyone can determine means that they hired an escort to take over chatting with you and left it to them to work out the the details of the promised guarantee. There were even plans though never implemented in company emails proposing systems that would pay female users a percentage of the credits men paid to chat with them if they stayed in the conversation for at least 20 or 30 minutes as part of a desperate bid to get more human women on the site and talking. In the final analysis, as best it could be discerned from the still incomplete hack data, Newitz concluded that at most 5% of the alleged female user base was composed of actual honest to goodness human women. Everything else was automated for the purpose of frantically trying to get dumb horny men to pour cash into the system in hopes of catching a real one. Even company emails about the problem discuss goals of achieving maybe 10 or 11% real humans. Leaving aside that grossness, the data about the bot accounts and their program behaviors reveal a lot of questionable positions on gender, sexuality, and race. For example, fembots in South Africa were reprogrammed at one point to initiate contact with men who matched with their race. One assumes that horrible people there were complaining about too many whatevers in their DMs. I'm not filling in those blanks. Gay men had a rough time. Straightness was heavily assumed, if not outright enforced. And it apparently generated a lot of complaints from men seeking men about all the damn robot women trying to get in their pants. They didn't even have much in the way of male bots to pursue gay men, nor were there many female bots set to approach women. This had one unexpected side effect. 
If you were a lesbian or bi woman looking for a side piece or maybe a third for you and your spouse, your odds were actually really great on Ashley Madison of finding that. Despite or perhaps because of the whole system being explicitly designed to completely ignore you and focus on straight men, 14% of the 770,000 women seeking women were real live human people. Several women seeking women apparently contacted Newitz after their first writings on the subject, praising Ashley Madison and the experiences they had with the site. While the official responses from the FTC and other such organizations were relatively lackluster in addressing the widespread use of fembots to hook new customers, this accusation was possibly the thing Ashley Madison took most seriously. Lack security and failed deletions were one thing, but if their users got the general impression that there weren't any women to chase, Ashley Madison's whole purpose of existence would be a failure. In addition to continuing to flatly deny any wrongdoing, the market research excuse made an actual appearance, as did claims about how they never promised that all the accounts were real. And that some were just for entertainment purposes. Ashley Madison top brass were extremely hasty to claim that the fembots had been phased out by the end of 2015 or the beginning of 2016, depending on where in the world you access their site from. Different countries have different laws and requirements on this sort of thing, and one assumes also hit different rates on the bots tactics. In some places, based on how the bot data was updated and adjusted, Ashley Madison was apparently able to do more cheaply, just straight up hire women to do sex chatting than this whole bot thing anyway. In 2016, with great fanfare, RubyCore announced that they hired famed consultant firm Ernst & Young to do an audit of their systems, both for security practices to assuage the FTC's concerns and to address worries about the bot accounts. In 2018, the audit concluded, and according to RubyCore and other media's description of those results, and we were unable to locate a copy of the report itself, they are definitely for sure bot-free, and now the ratio has gone down from nine to one male to female to 0.85 to one. Yes, that is a correct number, because as it turns out, in the course of getting those 30 to 35 million new users since 2015, Ashley Madison now has more women than men using it. It is not the place of this report to judge the accuracy, honesty, or clearness of vision of Ernst & Young, but I would not consider you foolish or misguided if you took this news with a certain level of cautious skepticism, given that, per the hacked internal documents, over 80% of the men who paid to initiate chats were doing so with bots. Still, as Ashley Madison executives are fond of reminding us all, adultery has been with humans for as long as the concept of monogamy itself. And surely it's better if there's a place where everyone who gets involved knows what they're getting into, at least in terms of starting an affair. Would you, Ashley Madison acts plainly, rather all these people go on regular dating services and lie about their marital status? After all the sleaze, all the scandals, and all the disasters of privacy and fraud, the company remains inexistent and apparent good health today. Perhaps in some ways, some people will say it's for the best. And now this is the podcast conclusion. Thank you all so much for listening and I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, make sure that you subscribe, check out our YouTube channel and consider joining our Patreon if you're also interested in some extra bonuses, benefits, and goodies. If you've been enjoying the podcast, make sure to leave a five-star review on whatever you're listening to, Spotify, Apple Music, whatever. Make sure you leave a five-star review there and don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel if you want to see the visual component to these audio pieces as well. Thank you so much for joining me for another Corporate Casket and I'll see you in the next one. Bye.